Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Friday. January 7th, 2022. This is Shannon, and I'm here with Stacy, Sarah, and Kristen, and we are going to talk about some of our very favorite series. Now, before we get started, I do have to say that I've had a bit of an unruly crew this evening, and uh, people are a little, little goofy, but we will try very hard to get through this in a you know somewhat reasonable fashion dignified manner so, yes <laughs> yes so stacy is going to get us started once we do the usual housekeeping information followed by Kristen, sarah and i will in honor of natalia take the last spot tonight you can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. I am super excited to talk about this first series, and I'm kind of hoping Kristen will read it based on my description. Um, I mean, all of you as well who are listening, but I just feel like Kristen would really appreciate this series. And what I'm going to talk to you about is the Canesville series by Kelly Armstrong. Oh, yes. I know. I know. And I have I actually, never read anything by her. Actually. Oh, well, this oh, is a good Kristen. place to start. This is a good place to start. So in this series, the first book in the series is Omens. And it's Canesville series book one by Kelly Armstrong. This book is about Olivia Taylor Jones, who's living the high life in Chicago as both kind of like a social life, a social life, a socialite, and sort of like someone who's kind of trying to break the mold of socialite. So she has a master's, but she got it in like Victorian literature, you know, British Victorian yeah. literature. And there's nothing she's wrong with, there's nothing wrong with that. No, but no, but, I know, mean, but I mean, honestly, I think the only place that's going to come in handy is in a museum. Right. And you know, it's, it's a good major, <laughs> it's a good uh, master's degree for a socialite to have. And yeah. she works at a, a homeless a women's shelter um, in Chicago, and she's engaged to an up-and-coming businessman who has dreams of sort of political greatness. greatness. Yes. And Olivia Taylor-Jones, her perfect life is shattered early in the novel when she finds out that, OMG, she was actually adopted. She's not actually Olivia Taylor-Jones. She's Eden Larson, daughter of serial killers, Todd and Pamela Larson, oh, who have been geez. in jail for the last 20 years for killing eight people. And she's okay, kind of like, I, well, shit. I don't 
think I'd like that. <laughs> no, Except no, but you don't even know. You don't even know. So Olivia, her whole like well-ordered life is kind of thrown into upheaval. Her, what she discovers is her adoptive mother can't deal. She's clutching her pearls, sniffing her smelling salts. And she runs away to Europe because she can't handle the fact that the world knows that they adopted the daughter of a serial killer. And like that her daughter wasn't the fruit of her womb. I forget. Correct. Is that why yeah, she was so Yeah, all of upset? that. All of that. Just the embarrassment of the whole situation. She just bolts. And her adoptive father has passed away. And so Olivia slash Eden um, ends up moving to this small town outside of Chicago to kind of get away from all of the, the media frenzy and the gossip about her and just trying to figure out her life. Um, her fiance was not okay with being the fiance of the daughter of a serial killer couple. And so kind of suspended their engagement. And Olivia is just kind of like, oh my God. So she moves to this small town called Canesville where things are not as they seem. She meets a lawyer named Gabriel Walsh, who's sort of fruity and shadowy and strange and who uh, used to represent her biological mother. And she meets all these sort of random townspeople. And so during the first book, Olivia is kind of working on figuring out if her biological parents are actually guilty of killing eight people. And the first book reads very much like a mystery and thriller type novel with very little of the paranormal thrown in. But as the series progresses, Olivia learns a lot about her backstory, about her biological parents, about who she actually is, what power she actually has. And she learns what secrets the town of Canesville is harboring. She also learns a lot about Gabriel Walsh. That's all I'm going to say about this series. It's amazing. I'm on a reread of the entire thing. um, And it is a series that it just, it sucks you in and won't let you go. You have to get through the first book. I sort of feel like the first book, the first book suffers from first book syndrome. Um, it's a little slow to get started. It, it did not keep my attention like later books in the series, um, but I knew I had to get through it. I really loved the first book. Well, cause you're, you like thrillers, you like mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the romance and the, the possibility of romance in the first book is very, muted and that was hard for me as a primary romance reader primarily a romance reader but I will tell you this the series is amazing I don't want to give any more spoilers but if you want a really good sort of in-depth series that kind of straddles the line between thriller and urban fantasy and sort of paranormal um, the Canesville series by Kelly Armstrong beginning with Omens is amazing and it's a completed series which bonus you can just binge all five books with no regrets Which is what I did. I know. It's what I did too. You're welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for (laughs) recommending that I read the Canesville series. And I'm sorry it took me three years to listen to you. I'm sorry. It's okay. I will forgive you. So, but it was like one of my early reads during the very beginning of the pandemic. And I just like completely lost myself in the world of Canesville and Olivia and all the things, the magical things that she discovers. My first series tonight is the beautiful, <laughs> wild, amazing, prank-loving <laughs> Bailey Brothers. Yay! 
<laughs> They're all so fine. I cannot help myself. But <laughs> um, kind of like, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of book boyfriends. It's getting a little dangerous around here, but we have a harem. Um, <laughs> I know. Reverse so, harem. Uh, the yes. brothers are just amazing. Um, you have Asher, Evan, Gavin, Levi, and Logan. And that is not birth order. It is just the order I remembered. Um, but they are just a bunch of fun-loving guys. And they are all siblings. Levi and Logan are twins. And they have grown up without their parents. They... Um, Gavin was the young, is the youngest, and he doesn't really remember his parents. Um, they were all very young, and they were raised by their grandmother and grandfather. But the first book in this series um, is called Protecting You, and this is part one of Asher and Grace's story. Um. Asher, all, all of the boys are volunteer firefighters. And so in protecting you, Asher is a firefighter. Um, but he is falling, you know, it, it's a summertime and he's kind of falling for grace. He's always loved her, always cared about her. But this summer is just really kind of off the charts and they're actually learning how to be more than friends. And it's such a sweet story. Um, but then one night at, at one of the bars, Grace is dragged off by these guys that want to hurt her. And when Asher gets to her, he causes quite a bit of an uproar and he hen- ends up going to prison for seven years. Um, and there's another part to their story and there is a happy ending, but that this book just pulled me in so hard, so fast. And I just couldn't stop. Like, I think I binge read the first three books. I did too. Kristen, um, who is this author, this amazing author of the Bailey Brothers? This amazing author is somebody who just, I don't know how people write like this. Like, I wish I could. <laughs> um, Claire Kingsley Yay! is an absolutely <laughs> amazing author. Protecting You is part one of Asher and Grace's story, and you must read this story. Um, and all of them, really. Um, Levi's story has yet to come out, but it is it will be the final book in the series. And I can't wait. to. So this is The Bailey Brothers by Claire Kingsley. And the first book is Protecting You. And you must go pick it up now, now, now. If not yesterday. Exactly. Read it's it such a good series. It's Indeed. Sorry. Yes, read, read it, it today. Today, it's funny. It's sweet. It's sexy. It's it is deep. It's um like 
all the greatest family dynamics you can think of. It's, I don't know, the Bailey brothers are great. I love their prank wars with the Havens. Oh, just the the whole thing. I mean, you laugh out loud to cry. So let's step away from small towns and security and pranking and talk a little bit about the apocalypse, shall we? Oh, please. Uh, So tonight I am going to talk about one of my most favorite apocalypse series I've read in a while. And it is actually a spinoff of another series. This is the the Savage North Chronicles. And the first book is called... I know the first book is called The Darkest Winter and it's by Lindsay Pogue. So this series is about Elle and Elle is from Alaska and she works on a cruise ship. She's a photographer and she has to go back to her childhood home because her stepfather, who was an awful person, passed away. So she goes to her childhood home in Alaska And the first night she gets home to clear out all of his things, she gets into the house and kind of just really was like, has like this flashback. And she's like, I'm out of here. I can't even deal with being in here right now. And she goes down to the local bar to get a drink and kind of get her mind wrapped around like sleeping in the house and getting things packed because he was a terrible person. So when she's at the bar, she starts seeing all of these news, all this news, news footage of a virus that they're calling the flu that is ravaging the lower 48. And they said that people are getting it and dying and there's like nothing anyone can do. And it's just like spreading like wildfire. Mm, is it COVID? Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily not, but I read this. Um, I actually, the first time I read it was during the thick of, well, I mean, we're still in the thick of things, but the thick of the pandemic. And I was like, ah, but um, it, it's kind of a nasty description of the illness. So just be prepared if you read um, the Savage North Chronicles or after the ending, it's kind of gross. They get into some detail. So Elle comes home from the bar after having an evening there and watching all this news footage. And she gets home and begins to immediately feel unwell. And at first she thinks it's alcohol. And then she realizes that she is quite ill and spends a couple days in like feverish, nauseous, misery. And when she wakes up from this, from this illness, from this flu, she wakes up with the knowledge that there is someone in her house and the someone is extremely aggressive and like acting really, really erratic and like is going after her and acting all strange and saying, where is it? Where is it? You know, where he hid it and like totally not making any sense. And Elle is like terrified and like defends herself. And I will not tell you what she did because it will ruin part of the book, but she manages to get away and she actually kills the guy and escapes. So now she's terrified. Like the, the, the flu has now spread to Alaska and it's everywhere. And she knows that she needs to go to another town in Alaska where her twin sister lives to save her, hopefully. So she drives through Alaska and there are like cars everywhere, like all off the road and everyone's dead in their cars. And it's like this horrifying drive. And she gets to this town, which is all inside of a building. 
which I think is very interesting. And everybody in the building seems to be dead. And she gets to her twin's floor and her twin is gone. But all of a sudden a teenager appears. And then another teenager appears and two small children. And none of them are related except for the little kids are related to each other, the brother and the sister. And Elle and the teenagers decide to stay together. And of course, they're going to take care of the kids. And they decide they need to get out of there because there's like death everywhere. And it's probably not very sanitary or very comforting because everybody lost family in that building. So they're going to go find a safe place to hunker down because they have no idea what's happening. So they get on the road and they're driving and they see the National Guard. And he tells them, a National Guard person, and he tells them to go to this building because this is where safety is and they've set up like a shelter. So they go to the building and it's absolutely not safe and it's absolutely not shelter. And there are all these like insane people that are like trying to like hurt them or eat them or they're just totally off, like not in their heads. And she's trying to get away and protect these people, protect these kids when suddenly a guy comes out of nowhere and helps her. And this guy is named Jackson and Jackson has had a horrible time since the virus hit. He lost his wife and his unborn child. And he is just struggling. He's in misery. He is not doing well. And so he agrees to stay with Elle and the four kids and help them get where they're going to go. So thus begins the story of Elle and Jackson and the four kids, the two teenagers, Alex and Sophie, and the brother and sister, Bo and Thea. And the books talk about their adventures and how they begin to survive in this world full of very interesting people who have very interesting abilities. And then other people who did not weather the virus so well and are struggling in their own heads. They are called crazies, which I don't really like that much, but that's what they're called in the book. And this is one of the best and most interesting post-apocalyptic series I've read. There are no zombies, but there are these crazies. And then it's just an amazing, amazing story about found family, which you know, everybody knows I love, with a very slow building romance and really interesting characters. So if you want a twist on the apocalypse and you want to read a really riveting series, pick up the Darkest Winter, Savage North Chronicles, book one by Lindsay Pogue. And the whole series is done. So you can do what I do and just binge the whole thing. It's a really good series. It's a spinoff from the ending series that was written by Lindsay Pogue and Lindsay Fairley, um, which is a really good series as well. But you don't have to read that series to read the spinoff in Alaska. You don't have um, to. Very but good it, series if you get through the first. Right. Yeah, the, the first ridiculous yes. book. Yes, and I've talked first... about that series before. And if you can make it through the first book and after the ending, it's a great series. But um, it, things will make more sense if you read the after the ending series first, but you absolutely do not have to. Yeah, it's, it's really clever. It's the Savage North is really good. Especially in the middle of a pandemic, it's really good. Oh, yes, yes. There's nothing like like reading apocalyptic fiction as we're dealing with 
like super high COVID numbers. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's, it's you're it's reading about best. a pandemic in a it's pandemic. It's comforting. Yes, yes. I don't it, know it, why. it's the yeah. best way to cope. I, I love it. So my image here on Book Bistro is like slowly tarnishing, and I'm not sure <gasps> how we're gonna like, get it back because what? Sarah talked about the apocalypse, and now I'm gonna talk about this like really awesome and uplifting romance series and this is just <gasps> not what I do Shannon, like where's the I, death and destruction I know I know I have that I do it, it one of the other books that I will talk about um does you know have some some death and destruction but I have got to talk about the Bergman Brothers series by Chloe Lee's um, I first heard about this on a Facebook group, and then um, I knew that Sarah read them and really loved them. And I have to say, I'm not sure why this is called the Bergman Brothers when the Bergmans like also have girls, but fine. It, it's it just the works. Bergman Brothers. It does. But I'm not going to talk about the first book because, well, just because it's like very kind of new adultish and like it is college and angsty and I don't like it. So I'm going to talk about Always Only You. This is the second book in the Bergman Brothers series by Chloe Lee. And so Natalia is not here, so I can say this. You do not have to read these in order. I started with book three Ugh. and absolutely loved it. And I read book two after that, and then I read one and four. So this is, you can read it in any order you want. Um, just no, don't tell Natalia. Don't listen. <laughs> don't listen. <laughs> it does help if you read it in order, though, because there are little parts of, like, the story that come out in previous books. Yeah, I feel like. But it you don't have to. Right. Like, I feel like it doesn't detracts from your ability to like understand who people are and like how things develop but this is like at its core it's it's a a series about family as a lot of of romance is but each member of the Bergman family is so unique and important to sort of the, the whole of the family unit So in Always Only You, we focus on Ren. And Ren is a very successful hockey player. And he is just basically living his dream. He's just been signed on to a new team. And he's super excited. He meets Frankie, who is a staff member of the team. And he really, he falls for her. Like He he thinks she's awesome. But of course... There's a problem because he's, you know, on the team. She's a staff member. They're not supposed to date. But things are, of course, a lot deeper than that. And you get to see that Frankie is dealing with quite a bit. Um, she has a disability, a chronic illness. And this has <laughs> kind of done a number on her her self-esteem she tries to show the world this really like tough shell and it hides a lot of the the pain and uncertainty that she feels about herself and and her place in the world Ren is Frankie's opposite in pretty much every way like if you like the whole like sunshine grump thing 
um, this is this is that way, but Ren is the sunshine and Frankie is is the grump. And so he is just this very like bright and optimistic person. He's he's a little bit goofy, not in a way that feels forced, but he's just like this very happy person on the surface. Like at first you don't feel like he has a lot of depth. As you get to know him better, um, that changes. But they just have such an amazing relationship. You know, they it's, it's very slow burn um, because there is that kind of element of, you know, forbidden romance here. I love watching Frankie let down her guard and get to know Ren um, and his family. It's just such such a lovely story. And everything that I've read, with the exception of, as I said, the first book, which I, I just don't love, but the other three are amazing in every possible way. There will be a total of seven in this series, and I, I just I can't wait for the other three to come out. So if you are like wedded to order, um, the series starts with Only When It's Us. But what I chose to talk about is Always Only You. Bergman Brothers, book two by Chloe Lease. I wish I could be her friend. She's yes. such an amazing, she's just such a, like her writing is so good. And I just, I, I actually do not, as we all know on this podcast, I am not a new adult, like college romance type person, but I was able to get through um, only when it's us. So, I went through this dearth of historical romances for a long time. Like I almost like went on like a anti-historical romance kind of. Yes, she did. For years. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was so I tired like of ballrooms, ballrooms and potted poems. <laughs> and I felt like I just read too many that felt the same. And then, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, I just started kind of deciding that I was in a mood for something completely different from what I'd been reading and I, I stumbled over the Palace of Rogues series by Julianne Long. And this series is about, the first book in the series is Lady Daring Takes a Lover. And this book is about Lady, Delia, Lady Delilah Daring. Try saying that fast five times. Mm-hmm. And her husband at the beginning of the book has died which is no hardship for Delilah because he wasn't all that great. But (laughs) what she discovers though, is that basically she is completely and deeply in debt and has lost everything that kind of, she's become accustomed to her home, you know, most of her beautiful clothing. And the only thing that has been left to her that is not able to be taken by creditors is this dilapidated building down by the docks. And she's kind of like, oh my God, like, what do I do? And all of her, um, her, you know, fancy London servants have abandoned her all except for one of her maids. And she's sort of like at a, I don't even know what to do kind of place. And somebody isn't here to put on my clothes. Well, no, she, she wasn't, she wasn't brought up in luxury of that type, but she just, you know, she's like down to her last pennies, basically. Like she's had to sell off all his like crazy ginormous, like 
opulent statues and everything. And like, she comes home from the solicitor's office and there's just people like dragging shit out of her house. And she's like, oh my God, like, I don't know what to do. And like, you know, so she's completely lost everything that has become comfortable for her. And so she goes down to the docks and she's going to go in this building. And she had seen this woman in the solicitor's office and she learns that this woman, Angelique, is her husband's mistress. Oh, yikes. Oh, yikes. Well, she ends up in this little tiny tavern beside this dilapidated building that she owns that has a sign that says Palace of Rogues on the outside. And she sits down in this tavern and who is there but Angelique? And somehow the two begin to talk. And somehow Lady Daring decides that Angelique is going to walk through this dilapidated building with her. (laughs) And they discover that this building was likely used as, let's see, how do we say this in a very proper way? A house of ill repute. (laughs) And so the Palace of Rogues, the only building that he has left to his wife, Lady Delilah Daring decides that she's going to turn it into an upscale boarding house on the docks, which is not a very nice area in London, but it's this old home that has really beautiful bones. And if the two ladies pawn all of the jewelry that Lord Daring bought them both, they'll have just enough to renovate this home and make it into something unique and special. And thus begins a very unlikely friendship between Lady Delilah Daring and Angelique, mistress of the late Lord Daring. And the two ladies open this boarding house. And in the process of this, Tristan comes in to kind of figure out what he can learn from Lord Daring's wife. Because with his death, things were left undone. Mysteries were left unsolved. And he is there to figure stuff out. But of course, as so often happens in amazing romance novels, Tristan becomes enamored with Lady Daring. And the two of them begin a very intense affair as boarders are beginning to move into her boarding house and things are happening. And this commences the most amazing series. There are, I believe, four books out. I've read the first four books. And if the fifth book is out, it's not out in audio yet. So I, I, haven't, I haven't found it. Um, but this, it's about all the different boarders who come to stay at this boarding house for different reasons. And it has a very fancy formal name. But all I can think of at the moment is Palace of Rogues, which was its, its former incarnation. Um, and that's what the series is called, but it has a very, it's like the something, something on the docks. Like it's a very on the Thames is the, like the new name, but I can't think of actually what it's called. The something palace on the Thames, but, um, and it's about how these two ladies work together and bring in very upscale borders or people who just need a safe place to be into this boarding house and turn this ramshackle whorehouse, forgive me, into this wonderful, warm, homey, loving place where people can find their footing and can kind of regain their perspective. The series is absolutely amazing. You have to read it in order. And um, the first book in the series is Lady Daring Takes a Lover. The series is 
The Palace of Rogues, and it's by Julianne Long. And even if you're not necessarily always a fan of historical romance, there are no potted palms or ballrooms to be found, especially in the first book. And it's just a really, really delightful, different look at London in the 19th century. I need to read this when I'm in the mood for historical again. So my second series is the In Death series by J.D. Robb. And this is about, now I know this is not how you say it, but I, I just like saying it this way. Lieutenant um, <laughs> Eve Dallas. But Eve Dallas is a investigator. Is that what you would call her? Um, or detective. She's a detective. There you go. Um, and in the first book of the series, Naked in Death, takes her into a kind of like this world of prostitution. Um, there are, there's this daughter of a high profile politician that is killed. And Eve Dallas is assigned to the case. And she's not really a person that likes or deals well with politics but she's assigned to this case and the politician is kind of a jerk and he's very shady in my opinion um but she's assigned to this case and then a couple others are also killed and she has to find out the motive of this killer and every murder that he does he videos it Ooh. and leaves it for them to find and he puts a number on it and it, it's just really creepy but what I love about the series is it's 2058 the world is absolutely run by technology this is kind of like a sci-fi detective series um, but Eve gets involved with this um, one of the suspects of the case, Rourke. I really like Rourke. Um, but as she's investigating him, she also becomes very infatuated with him. And they start this very wild, crazy romance. And so there's so much to the series you see Eve and Rourke's um, relationship evolve. You see Eve kind of come out of a shell that she's been in. Um, she's assigned to a lot of really wild, crazy cases. Um, she toes the line a lot. She crosses it more than she should and gets away with it more than she should. But it's such an amazing series um i'm about three books in three or four books in now and i didn't think i would like this but it really has turned into be a, a great series but there's like what 53 books in this <laughs> series now so 855 it, books yeah it seems like that i will say that there could be some triggers in this book or in these books, like things get to be very graphic. Um, they don't pull a lot of punches when it comes to 
describing murder scenes. Um, so just be careful if you have issues with reading things like that or knowing about things like that. There sometimes are children involved, so um, I would just put that out there. Um, but overall, this is a very amazing series. So this is the In Death series. And I was talking about Naked in Death, book one. And this is by J.D. Robb. So I read these um, occasionally. I am not as big a fan of the series as, as some people on the podcast are. Natalia, Brooke, and Christine, I think, are the like biggest readers of, of this but for people who, who may not know, um, J.D. Robb is the pseudonym of romance powerhouse Nora Roberts. And I love this because it was written in like the mid 90s. And so much of what was like futuristic, you know, technology, like some of it we, we practically have now. You know, not all of it. We don't have an auto chef yet. Sadly. But- are you guys ready for the most shocking confession of the night? Yes. yes. The next series I'm going to talk about is romantic suspense. Wait, Ooh. stop. Yeah, that was crazy to me when I like wrote this down. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I have lost my mind. I don't know what made me start looking at the Away From Keyboard series by Patricia D. Eddy. What made me look at it? It's because your twin recommended the author and then you well, liked yes. other things you read. <laughs> so she writes some other things too, like some paranormal and stuff. But this series really intrigued me. I will be honest, initially not because of the romantic suspense, which, you know, I am not a romantic suspense fan usually. But this series, she has so much disability representation and they're like these badass characters so I'm going to talk a little bit about the first book but I'm going to tell you and be really honest that I actually didn't read the first book because Patricia D. Eddy's books even though they're a series and in my opinion you should read them in order um even though she didn't it's Mm -hmm. not something that you have to read in order so The first book in this series is called Breaking His Code, and it is the story of West, and West is really struggling. He has nightmares every night. He has had some trauma in his life. His Kravdegas studio is failing, and really the only thing that brings him a little bit of like calm within the storm, um, the only thing really is online gaming with um, a very dear friend of his that he knows just in the online gaming realm. Oh, I love books so, like this. I know. It, re- it has like elements of like the Miles family, the last book where they- Hidden meet, Miles? Like, online. Yes, by Clark yeah. Kingsley, but it, mm-hmm. it's different. But anyway, so West is, um, he plays the video games with this person, online gaming, and her name is Cam, and she was an explosives- um, expert in, um, in other countries and something happened and she now has to use a cane. She has some other things going on and she does not want Wes to meet the real cam. So 
a ghost from West's past comes back into his life. And I know who it is because I read the rest of the series, but I can't tell you. And he um, really needs his friend Cam. And she panics that if he meets her in real life and sees that like she uses a cane and she has like a lot of scars, like she thinks that he's not going to like her. And so she runs away, but he really needs her expertise. And so how can these two broken souls find love? So this is what I love about the Away From Keyboard series in general. So every book is about a different person. West is the first, and he starts this agency or business. Um, and I, yes, a company. And I am so upset that I can't remember the name of the company right now, but basically they are like professional bodyguards. They it's protection because all the people who are in this company have been like in the arm, they have been like in the military or have, you know, been police or have been something. And then something has happened where they're no longer like in the military anymore. They no longer do their previous jobs and they go into protection work and they work together. And every book is about a different person that works for this, for this company. And a lot of them know each other from being in the military together And they all have something going on. There's like somebody who is blind. There's somebody who is an amputee. There are people who have PTSD. And I just really, really like how Patricia D'Eddy writes these characters. I think she does a really good job. Um, There is, in my opinion, the, um, the suspense aspect of it is not so terrifying that people like me can't read it. It's not so gory that people like me can't read it, but the books are gritty and dark enough that they really hold my attention. Um, This series to me was one of my favorite finds of this year. And again, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but I really felt like it's really amazing disability representation in this, in, in this series, the away from keyboard series by Patricia D. Eddy, wonderful, wonderful books. And she has lots of other great books too. This reminds me of a series Mika should read. Yes. I think Mika would like it. I There's think a she yeah. like it. Well, she read the uh, Elemental um, Shifter series and liked it. Um, uh, okay. Patricia D. Eddy is good at um, sort of like in fan fiction, we call it like the hurt comfort kind of genre. Yeah. Um, and she does that very well. And um, it was a strong theme in her Elemental Shifters series that I read and have talked about on this podcast before. And so I think um, from what Sarah has said that some of the same themes, it's different, of course, because it's not paranormal, but some of the same themes of hurt, comfort and um, oh, sort very of, much. Yes. Um, that sort of is a is a carryover into this other series as well. So that does sound like a Mika series. Who remembers a long, long time ago? Like back in the annals of, of book bistro history, <laughs> when the most wonderful Natalie was among us. Oh, I, oh. I do. Yes. We miss Natalie. Yes, we, we do. love Natalie. Natalie recommended a series, and I finally started to read it. And I am so, so glad I did. So I am going to talk about. This Mortal Coil. Oh, this yes. Mortal Coil book one by Emily Suveda. 
And um, this is a YA post-apocalyptic with some pretty heavy, like, sci-fi themes. Um, It's, I think, definitely a a Stacey and Sarah book, even though YA is not something that you guys usually gravitate toward. So this is the story of Kat, Katarina. She is living alone in this kind of dilapidated cabin that she's turned into her fortress. Um, A plague has run rampant, like pretty much throughout the whole world. And society has changed in some inexplicable ways. So before I can tell you like more about the actual plot, I have to say that one of the like linchpins of this series is the idea that through technology, we can manipulate genetics. So people have these panels like in their arm (gasps) and these panels make it so that you can run these apps. I guess it'd be like if your iPhone was like embedded into you somehow. Like in your body? Like you run the apps in your body? Yes. Yes. And you have like all this different tech that works in your body so you have like healing tech for example um and somehow and I don't understand this because I'm not a big like sciencey person really um and technology is sometimes my nemesis but (laughs) somehow these apps like affect your your genes and so you can make it so that like certain things that might like illnesses that might affect you like won't anymore. But this plague has has come and has caused a huge amount of problems. There aren't zombies per se. There are these people that are known kind of as lurkers. And these are people who have <gasps> survived this plague um, with like some instability, kind of like what Sarah was describing in the, the crazy Pogue series. Yes. So Kat is she's 17 her father is a researcher and he has been taken by this big corporation that is trying to basically like run society now they have these bunkers where people have to go in order to be safe and when you go there they somehow get to like dictate the apps that run in your body and like they have too much control over over your your tech Katarina's father was, as far as she knew, like an enemy of this corporation. And he has made her promise that she would, you know, do everything she could to like stay out of their hands. He has been taken because he is the only person that they think can develop a vaccine for this plague. Now, the thing to know about vaccines here is that vaccines are basically like apps, like they run through this tech. And somehow they they lock and unlock things within your genetic code. And I don't I don't understand how that works, but that's that's fine. So Kat is is upset when her father is taken, but she keeps her promise and she stays, you know, kind of hidden. Like she's she's totally off the radar. But then Cole, who is a soldier, comes to tell her that her father is dead and that Kat is now the only person who can hope to replicate his work on the vaccine. And so she has to 
come to this this corporation and work for them, even though that's not really what she wants to do. She does not believe that she can trust them. But as things go on and she learns more about what possibly led to the plague and what her father's role might or might not have been um, in, in releasing it, she has to kind of re-examine everything that she thought she knew about herself and the world and the role of, of technology and genetic manipulation. Um, it's a trilogy. I am loving it so, so much. Again, this is the This Mortal Coil trilogy. The first book is called This Mortal Coil, and it is by Emily Suveda. That sounds really good, Shannon. And how have I not read this? I so I had to do some soul searching here for my final books, my final series, because I love series. I love them. I love binging a good series. I love, oh, there's so many post-apocalyptic series I could have talked about. There's so many just contemporary romances, like small town series that I love, but I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if I hadn't talked about the Black Dagger <laughs> Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward, because I would have felt incomplete. So the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward, it's paranormal romance with vampires. The first book in the series is Dark Lover. And I discovered this series, I think it was in 2009. In fact, it was in 2009. I can see where I was sitting. And um, I can see what apartment I lived in. And so I've been reading these books for over a decade. And I'm obsessed. So back to where it all began. Dark Lover. This book is about Beth. Beth is a reporter. She works for the Caldwell Courier Journal. And she hates her job because even though she's a better reporter, all of the major stories are given to the reporters that are like, you know, the, the middle-aged white guys in the office who just sort of like have, like it's a very misogynistic kind of work environment. And so basically her entire job is like fact-checking and editing the reports of what she calls the big boys, you know, the people that like, oh, this person came from New York City and now they're writing stories here and they're lazy and sloppy and Beth has to fix their work. She doesn't love this. And to top it all off, she's been feeling like crap lately. Like she feels sick all the time and she is, there's just so much going on with Beth. She had a run-in with a slimy, evil jackass in the street one night she's just she's not having a good year and then all of a sudden she's approached by this man who's dressed in leather with long dark hair and his name is wrath as our names are always names like wrath i mean that's a normal name right <laughs> that's like what the hell like wrath totally like in a motorcycle club like i don't get this totally and so normal. they have this right Telly. they have this like instant connection which usually i hate but you know rath's keeping a lot of secrets from beth <laughs> and the main one is that beth um is born of a human mother and a vampire father and she is about to reach her transition which means that she could either potentially turn into a vampire she could die or she could just stay human and so Rath has to kind of be there to, he's a friend of her father's and he 
is going to be there to support her if she actually goes through the transition and becomes a vampire. So as Beth is falling in love with Wrath and becoming very interested in him and feeling like shit and, you know, having like dealing with like cravings for like massive amounts of food that just can't seem to satisfy her stomach and all these different things, Wrath is keeping some pretty major secrets from Beth. And one of those secrets is that he is the leader of the Black Dagger Brotherhood and actually OPS, he's actually the king of the vampires. Yep. And Wrath and the Black Dagger Brotherhood, their job is to deal with the Lessening Society, which are humans who have been turned into like soulless killing machines whose job is to rid the world of vampires. So Wrath and his band of brothers all go out at night to try to rid the world of these evil soulless former humans to protect his vampire race. That's a lot. Let's add into this that the Black Dagger Brotherhood, they're not united. They're not close to each other. They all kind of don't really trust each other on some level. They're not good with feelings. They're not good with any of that stuff. And you have the beginning of an explosive series filled with love and danger and the most amazing found family you'll ever experience in any series. Um, I don't even know how to talk about this series and do it justice because it's so sprawling and epic now. I think Lover Arisen is coming out this April. It's book 22 um, in the series. And so, I mean, I know, right? Is it 22? I think so. I'm like mm-hmm. 99%. Yeah, it's book yeah, 22. It's- and so to start back at Dark Lover, like it just feels, um, it's hard to talk about this series without giving away spoilers. But what you should know is that it's a wonderful series filled with, um, really great romance with lots of um, tortured characters and um, really uh, intense story arcs, found family, danger, suspense, violence, and, you know, at its core, this found family that all bands together to save a group of people from just intense evil. And it's amazing and wonderful. And if you haven't read it yet, why the hell not? And... (laughs) The, f- <laughs> the first book in the series, again, it's the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward. And the first book in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series is Dark Lover. And Stacey, you neglected to mention that you absolutely cannot jump around. In this no, series. you can't. No, no it's, it's um, I mean, I'm someone that doesn't always read in order. I don't always respect order in a series. Um, but in this one, it's what? such a voluminous, I know, right? It's such a voluminous story and story arc. And there's so much world building and very intricate plotting that goes from book to book that you cannot read this out of order. It will not make sense. Mm-mm. It will ruin the experience. So start with Dark Lover and just sit back, put on your seatbelt and like enjoy a really intense and wild ride. So my final series is going to be The Demon Cycle. Ooh. Oh, I'm excited to hear you talk about this. But the first book in this series is called The Warded Man. This starts out in a tiny little town called Tibbetts Brook. And they all talk like this. <laughs> and this <laughs> little boy, his name is Arlen. And he's very brave. 
He's a very brave child. Like he has a lot to learn, but he's very brave. And one of his biggest um, dreams is to venture outside of Tibbetts Brook and go to the, the greater cities, the bigger cities. But he wants to be a messenger. So they don't have a post office. They have someone who has to ride days, nights, weeks, months on the road to bring them letters from the, the cities, the bigger cities, to the tiny hamlets and towns along the way. And one of the biggest part of this series is they're all fighting what they call the Corlings. The Corlings are demons that come out at night. They come up from the mm. earth. They solidify. Mm. And then you have rock mm. demons, wood demons, fire demons, wind demons. Yikes. And they all have different weaknesses. And Arlen's mother is attacked by a Corling one night. What people are typically supposed to do is there are wards and different ones offer different types of protection. And Corlings cannot get through these wards. They can fly at them, throw fire at them, hit them, but they can't get through them. And that's the only way somebody can be protected from a Corling. And one night, Arlen's mother um, is out and she is trying to get back to the house before the quarreling solidify. And she's attacked. And she gets what they call quarreling fever. And they go off to take her to a healer. But she doesn't make it. And Arlen gets really mad at his father. Um, because he kind of treats it like, well, she's dead. There's not much we can do about it. We have to move on. And Arlen does not like this very much. And he's still a young boy. And so he takes off on his own to the greater cities. And he makes a life for himself. And he goes on to become what they call the warded man. Because he tattoos wards on his skin so that he can physically one-on-one -on -one fight the Corlings. It's pretty freaking amazing, to be honest. Um, I am on book three now, which is The Daylight War. There are novellas, which I have read, and they explain some of what um, the major stories do not tell because you see him go from a boy to practically a man in the blink of an eye. And there's a lot of things that are left out while it doesn't take away from the story. You kind of wonder, wait, how did he get there? Like what happened with this? How did he get here? And so these novellas fill in those spaces. So this is the demon cycle um, by Peter V. Brett. And the first book is the warded man. They are available in graphic audio and regular audio and I'm sure they're available on Kindle, though I have not looked. Um, they are on, I think they're on Audible. This is a series I've heard about for a long time. 
and I've seen it. I've read reviews of it, but I've never actually read it. So I'm really glad you talked about it. I have another surprise. You do. I like surprises. I'm going to be. No, actually, I'm, I don't. I hate them. I. <laughs> I can't be long-winded <laughs> about this series because it is so packed with information. If I'm long-winded about the series, I will give you spoilers. And the books are like super short. They're super short. Did you read all so, of them, Shannon? No, not yet. Oh, you've got to. So I will. I don't usually like short books. No, I don't are, You know, I don't like to buy them. I just am not really. But this series is worth every moment, in my opinion. I want somebody else to read it so they can talk about it with me. So I am talking about the Nevermore series written by Shannon Mayer. And I love Shannon Mayer. And the first book in this series is called Sundered. And it is the story of Mara and Sebastian. And they are a young couple very in love who live in Canada and Mara is really struggling. She probably has clinical depression at this point in like, well, at at this point in her life. And she just, all she wants is to have a baby and she just cannot get pregnant. And if she gets pregnant, she can't she can't keep the baby like the whole thing. She just can't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And her husband, Sebastian just loves her so much. And he just more than anything, he just wants to give her what she needs. And so she's pretty depressed and it's funny because they don't, they refer to it a couple of times throughout the book, but they don't really describe what he looks like, but it sounds like maybe Sebastian might need to lose a little weight I'm not quite sure, but that's kind of what they explained in the book. I think that's true. Like kind of how they, how I've heard him described. I would go yes. for that. Initially, yes. Yes. So while this is all happening, Mara and Sebastian are kind of going through it, but they still love each other. There are all of these like commercials, like on the radio, on TV, everybody's talking about this new vaccine, this new shot. And it's called Nevermore. And it cures cancer. It stops Parkinson's. It helps with fertility. And it's the weight loss. You'll never be fat again. Mm -hmm. And all of these people are coming in droves. All of them want this amazing shot, the Nevermore shot. All I'm going to tell you is one of the couple gets it. Ooh. Because it doesn't say in the synopsis. So I don't want to give it away. Yes. So what happens with this Nevermore injection is that suddenly, uh, um, not like instantaneously, it takes a little while after people get this vaccine or the shot, they start to kind of like deteriorate into an almost animalistic um animalistic, not behavior. What's the state? Yeah, that's the word. So they kind of deteriorate into this like animalistic state and they 
kind of start going after people and like attacking people. And it's just a very strange thing. And society basically collapses because like, I mean, really, if there was a shot out there where you (laughs) would never gain weight or it would help with depression or cancer, hello, cancer is gone. I mean, is there any one of us who probably especially if we were in a novel, wouldn't get this shot. That sounds Shoot. too good to be true. I'd be knocking people aside. Well, I know, but before I read the book, I'd be <laughs> knocking people aside and lying. Back off, I'm yes. getting the shot. <laughs> so Mara and Sebastian have to go through all of these um, challenges. I don't mean challenges like, like that somebody has created for them, like challenges like life struggles and they have to navigate this new world And the only thing that really stays true because everything else just goes to hell in a handbasket is no matter what happens, no matter which one of them took the shot, their love never erodes. It's always there. And even if maybe one of them is a little different than they were at the beginning of the series, they love each other always. And that's really besides the fact that this is such an ingenious series and I really like how she writes it and there's so much more that I could talk about, but it's, it would spoil a lot of things. So I can't, but the one thing that I loved that I really enjoyed in this series was how much Mara and Sebastian loved each other. And there were a lot of things that happened throughout the series. Um, but there wasn't really ever, I mean, there were like a couple like sad moments where maybe they thought that like something would separate them, but there wasn't like that dark moment where like, oh, like, you know, we're lost to each other forever. There's a misunderstanding. And, you know, like it wasn't like that at all. So it was great because this, this society, this world, this like, there are bad people, of course, because, you know, in post-apocalyptic fiction, there's always like the corrupt someone. And (laughs) no matter what happened, And no matter what Mara and Sebastian experienced, their love for each other never wavered. And that is like one of my favorite things. Um, And I know I'm not saying very much about this series, but I really can't because it'll give away too much. And then you guys would be mad because I didn't have anyone to tell me it was fun to read. Um, Again, these are short reads. It's a trilogy. And I mean, they're like six hour books, which I'm, I'm not usually, I mean, if you read them in audio. So what would that be like? 200 they're like, pages, yeah, 150. They're, they're not super pages, long. I think. Yeah, two, yeah, about 200 pages. Quick reads. You'll enjoy them. There's no like dragging slump in the middle. So if you want to read a really interesting take on a post-apocalyptic series, and maybe you're looking for a quick read, but with a lot of heart, um, I, I, I cried a couple times because, you know, that's who I am. Of course um, you did. You, sh- <laughs> you should read Sundered. It's the first book in the Nevermore series by the amazing Shannon Mayer. Read them, so- though, when you can read all of them, because she is kind of a fan of the cliffhanger. Yes. And you luckily I would not have wanted to read this when it wasn't all out because there are cliffhangers. So, trip, you know, when you read it, plan that you're going to want to read all three of them in a row. So my last series of the night comes courtesy of the fabulous Christian. Um, we talked about this quite a while ago when we did our time travel. No, no, time travels on my mind now. Uh, when we did our science fiction episode. And she talked about the Lady Astronaut series by Mary oh, Robinette Cole. Yes. And I, yes, I love this so much. The fourth one is coming out this year. 
And so I'm super excited. So this series starts with the calculating stars and it takes place in 1952. Ooh. And it's basically about a, a meteorite that falls to earth and obliterates most of like the Eastern part of the United States. Whoops. Yes. Yeah, um, including like, Washington, D.C. So like all the you know governmental things oh, are gosh. gone. Mm-hmm. And what people realize pretty soon after this happens is that the Earth is very quickly going to become uninhabitable. And so this prompts them to start colonizing space. Now, in 1952, you know, the space program wasn't like it is now. And even now there aren't, you know, thousands of people like ready to go into space. No. And in 1952, yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) So did, what is that guy? William Shatner, I think. Um, Yeah, but he deserved it. it, Well, possibly. Because he was in Star Trek. It's true. So men, you know, this being 1952, like men were the only ones that originally were working in this, this industry. And our heroine is a woman named Elma York. And Elma is brilliant. She's a mathematician. She, really she was a pilot during World War II. And she's just like one of the smartest people I think I've ever read about. Yeah, I'm in awe of her still. Like her, I know. She, her she's mathematical so... skills is like just... I'm, I'd feel so stupid next to her, to be honest. <laughs> well, math is like of the devil. Like, yes. they hate math. So Me too. Yeah. So Elma becomes part of this uh, kind of quest to colonize space, but they won't let her actually be an astronaut. She has to kind of be behind the scenes, like doing all the calculations to figure out like how things need to work in space. And she's not, she's not satisfied with this. She doesn't understand why someone as qualified as she is, like why she can't do what she would love to do, which is to go to the moon, maybe to Mars. And so this is like a, a sci-fi story, kind of a, like a climate change story, kind of what happens when the earth becomes uninhabitable. And what if, you know, we took our resources and decided that we were going to use them to colonize space? How, how might that be? And for a book that's set in the 1950s when women's equality you know, was not what it is today, um, Alma just is such a remarkable heroine because she refuses to let the conventions of society hold her back and you know she's not perfect she has she does some kind of like cringy things in the beginning um she's not aware of like her own privilege and power even though her own power you know is not equal to that of men um she still doesn't necessarily realize that she has it better than a lot of other people in in her situation but she she learns and she grows and her husband is just so 
like brilliant in his own right, but so, so supportive of her. Like he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't allow people to, to treat her badly. He's always there to support her, you know, not to, not to steal the limelight from her, but to support her. They, they work as a team so incredibly well. Yeah, they do. Um, so far, this is a, a trilogy. Like I said, the fourth book is scheduled for release this year and I cannot wait. I want to check out some of her other books as well. She has a couple of other series, but I just, I love this one. So this is the Lady Astronaut series. The first book is The Calculating Stars and it's by Mary Robinette Cole. And that brings us to the end of our discussion of fantastic series. Thank you to Stacy, Kristen, and Sarah for coming up with great books for tonight. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And of course, we thank all of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.